and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we talk about canon, legends, and so much more. I know if you listened last time, we did say we were going to record Master and Apprentice next, but the Rise of Skywalker novelization came out very, very recently, and we all read it. Everybody's got opinions about it. Unfortunately, Needless Things' own Dave West could not even finish the book, so he is not joining us today, but the three of us have plenty to say about it. And with me today are, as always, Chad Schonk and Ryan Schweck, and Chad, over to you. Just a reminder, this is a book club, not a review show, so we expect you to have done the work before you come in, or not care. But either way, we're going to be spoiling things not only from this book, but from pretty much anything Star Wars that has come out as of this moment. Um, and this week, that, that said, this week, uh, we had some, I think, really interesting news come out in the world of Star Wars. And uh, Brian, what, what happened this week? Uh, you know, even with the quarantine going on, quite a few things happened. Um, we'll hit on the big one last because I think it'll have a little bit more discussion. Uh, there was a really good interview with um, the Clone Wars actor or voice actor um what's his name uh, sam witter who voices uh darth maul and kind of gave some info about the finale of clone wars um it appears that or according to him at least the last four episodes of this season are basically intended to act almost like a movie and that whatever happens is going to majorly change how one character is viewed and then there'll be another really big kind of stars galaxy breaking thing that will happen. So they're pumping it up. I'm looking forward to it. You know, there was some kind of mixed reviews on that last episode with Ahsoka, but you know, I think it was worth introducing her again and kind of showing where she was at before we got into the meat of it. Um, but the biggest, I love love that episode. I thought it was great. Yeah. You know, I didn't love it, but I think, for what it needed to do and kind of show where Ahsoka is at this point. Um, and I kind of had to remember that most people, their last, you know, remembrance, the last time they saw Ahsoka was Rebels Ahsoka. And so it was good to establish her like, yeah, this is still, you know, however many years it is earlier. Um, I also like seeing uh, level 1313. Yeah, that was a nice little callback to yeah. what could have been in the video game world. So in Mandalorian news, we had a couple castings this week. Uh, one that is 100% confirmed is that Michael Bean from Terminator and Predator will be in The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, they also confirmed that Bill Burr is going to return for Season 2, which, you know, I, if you listen back to our review of The Mandalorian, I didn't love Bill Burr on the show, but those two are confirmed to be on it. The big news is that... Now, I have not seen if they have actually confirmed this. Um, The Michael Bean is confirmed, but that Rosario Dawson will be playing um, Ahsoka. I don't know. You know, I like her. Um, I was always in the camp that if we got a live action, I wanted Ashley to play her. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. What's y'all's thoughts? I I wasn't. It took me a minute to process because at first, the first time I read it, I said, what? Huh? And and then I thought about it and I processed it. And then I looked up somebody's artwork that they had done, just homemade artwork that they did of her as Ahsoka. And I said, OK, now I can see it. 
Yeah, I think it looks right. You know, she definitely looks more like Ahsoka than Eccleston does, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Um, now, right after that came out, it was followed by another rumor that is mm-hmm. a little less substantiated. Um, but, you know, it's sources that have been correct before that Sabine will also be in the episodes. Um, you know, we know that um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, um, he has said there's a lightsaber fight in season two. So Ahsoka makes sense. But for having the darksaber, it just makes more sense to have Sabine around because she's kind of more closely tied with the saber. Uh, but we'll see. You know, well, and the last time we saw either of those characters, they were together. Right. And, you know, and that's the question I was kind of we don't really know, I guess, the time frame of when they leave to go get Ezra. Um, you know, I'm it's guessing probably- it's before the purge. Right. Before <sighs> the purge of Mandalore. It has to be, I think. I think. Yeah, because, you know, Savine started to seem kind of cheerful at the end about how everything worked right. out. But this is we talked about this in the Mandalorian episode the the show takes place five years after Jedi. Right. So that leaves plenty of time in there for that to have happened. Um, That's true. And yeah, so I think I, I got think, a little I got a little messed up on the timelines because I was thinking Bo Katan, but then I thought I forgot all about Rebels and Sabine having the Darksaber. I was like, oh yeah. wait, that's right. And Bo Katan had it the last time we saw. But if Bo Katan is there for the 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 purge of Mandalore and doesn't survive and that's where he gets the dark saber. It, it could make narrative sense out of Sabine coming to get it in one way or another. Yeah. Um, there's also rumor that I saw was that this was possibly setting up for a spinoff show. Uh, that you know that live action show they've talked about that's gone around since Rebels ended yeah. and kind of since the Disney Plus started. I don't know how I feel about it. You know I. On the one hand, I would love to see, you know, because that theoretically would give us live action Thrawn, Ezra, all of them. Um, but God, there's so many opportunities for them to mess that up after they've done it so well. So I don't know. Chad, Chad just wants his Sabine and Ahsoka show. Let him have it. I really do. I, really do. <laughs> I, I think I would rather have it animated. Um, I, I would too. I would too. Yeah. And they've got, I, you know, they have all these live action shows that are announced right now and there's no follow-up animated show currently so i kind of think that's where it'll slip in i think rosario is really good casting it will be tough for me for her to open her mouth and not sound like ashley Eckstein. yeah but i think we can get used to that and and it'll be interesting i don't know i i'm open to it because it's not going to take away anything else and yeah. we saw Thrawn go from the page to being animated. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just going to be part of this process of building this new Star Wars timeline is, you know, popular characters. I will not be surprised if we see a live action Dr. Afra at oh, some I'm point counting on that, you know, so like there's, you know, uh, the, the shows, the live action stuff is kind of where their the bread and butter is. And so they, they're going to want to try to take fan popular characters and make them live action. And, you know, you're right. They could, could go horribly wrong, but got to let them try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, so 
Um, okay, so as Beth mentioned, oh, oh sorry, oh, I do have, there was other one yeah. big news. Oh, well, and sure, this is sorry. less news; it's just things that came out. The final issue of Rise of Kylo Ren came out this week. It did. You know yes. the the promise you're going to find out how he became Kylo Ren and got his name and got his lightsaber. And I'm not going to do any spoilers for that because actually it is supposed to I think go on the stands tomorrow. Um, but it's a dud. <laughs> like I thought it's, it was it's, fine. It's not great. <laughs> But it's not great, but I thought it was fine. But I do wish they had investigated this subject in a more substantial way. Yeah. Like, i.e. a novel. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it should have been a novel. Because it just it feels very light and mm-hmm. uh, shallow. But I, I, I liked what happened in it. I just didn't necessarily like how it was done. Yeah. Uh, so. As Beth said, we're here to talk about the novelization of Rise of Skywalker. Um, novelizations in movies have always been considered kind of low art. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, you guys remember they were everywhere. I mean, I used to read a lot of them. Hell, I read the I read the, the novel of the Charlie Sheen masterpiece, Navy Seals. There was a Navy Seals. <laughs> Ooh, Navy Seals. Ooh, exactly. Navy Seals. Um, work for higher license material like that is often a good way for a young author to get in the door or for a more established one to make a quick buck. But Star Wars novelizations have always been a little different. The adaptation of Star Wars A New Hope was written by Alan Dean Foster, although it was credited to, credited to George Lucas. Um, people probably know it was a ghostwriting job. And uh, in exchange, Lucas promised Foster that he could write the first sequel, the controversial Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which we may talk about at some point. But one thing people may not know about Foster's book is it came out six months before the movie. In an attempt to drum up excitement for the sci-fi community, Lucas released the novel on November 12th, 1976, which leaves me asking, should this date actually be considered the beginning of Star Wars and not 525-77? It had a kind of a bitchin', pulpy Ralph McQuarrie cover and was based on the shooting draft of the film, so there were differences. But since then, Star Wars novelizations have been a notable have been notable for dramatizing delete scenes deleted from the final films. And providing more depth and detail than is possible in a two, two and a half hour adventure movie. So I'm a big fan of the Star Wars novelizations. I've always kind of said that if you didn't like movies, you could probably just read the novelizations and still be a Star Wars fan. Like in the whole context of everything. You could just read them like you would read any other book series. I agree. So have you guys read any of the novelizations? And is there any kind of little piece of info that pops out from one of them that that kind of helped enhance your your uh your enjoyment of the story i didn't buy a novelization until the force awakens and since then there have been so many other new books that i haven't felt the need to go back and get novelizations for the old movies so this is all you guys (laughs) um i've read all the novelizations for the movies except for last jedi because i'm just not going to get into that but we all know why um But, you know, I talk about that one. the novelizations, I've always enjoyed them just for the stuff they add. They tend to particularly the prequels, the novels made the prequels better. And, you know, that's one of the big jokes is the expanded universe has always made the prequels better, whether it's tie ins, whether it's the novels themselves. Um, and a really good example of that is Phantom Menace. Um, Phantom Menace reads really well. Um, actually better than the movie and it goes a long way to show that Anakin is a lot more powerful than he was shown on the screen Um, particularly you know we kind of saw in the movie where okay you can do a pod race 
And so you have these Jedi instincts. And, you know, they kind of have the line where, okay, he kind of acts like he knows things before they happen. But that's about it. Um, the novelization makes it very clear that Anakin is tapping into all sorts of Force stuff. Um, and the biggest one is in the space battle in the end. The movie plays it all very much like it's accidental. Um, you know, he's got the line about, oh, let's try a, whatever it is, a roll. Yeah, let's right. do that or whatever. And the novelization, he's up there outflying all of their people on instinct. Um, and so and that really stuck out to me. And there's a lot other. The Gungans aren't near as bad in the book, and they kind of make a little more sense as a community and kind of how Jar Jar ties into them. Um, but yeah, Phantom Menace is the one that really sticks out as making the movie better to me. I have two quick points. One – I'd like to point out, and, and you are correct, uh, you don't have to listen to Jake Lloyd. Yeah. And, and I'm at best, and you, you kind of, you're able to put your own voices to the characters as well. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot more depth to it, and you're right. I do remember thinking, I like this Anakin better. For me, there's two. In Foster's original Star Wars um, novel, one thing to point out is that, well, first of all, it starts with another time, another place. Not once, not... Uh, not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And also in the introduction, the very first page, it gives kind of a background of Palpatine and the Senate. And now all that stuff is pretty, at this point, debunked. But it says the word Palpatine, which is not a word that was uttered out loud in a movie for the next 23 years. He was always just the emperor. But that name Palpatine was in that original book that came out before six months before the movie. But the big one to... But not Sheev. (laughs) No, it didn't say Sheev. The big one to me, however, is um, uh, James Caan's novelization of Return of the Jedi. And in that, there are a couple of differences. One, it it shows some of the deleted scenes, like Luke creating his lightsaber on Tatooine. But the the big thing that it does is uh, Obi-Wan reveals to Luke that Owen, Uncle Owen, was Ben's brother. Now, I wasn't able to find if this was from Lucas or if this was in the script or or this was a, a something that Khan made up. But that kind of stuck around for a little while as canon that that Owen was actually Obi-Wan's brother. So uh, these things can really, uh, you know, The Last Jedi has what I call The Last Temptation of Luke because it opens with a, a dream Luke is having of the life he could have had if he hadn't become a Jedi, if he hadn't gotten involved in this crazy adventure. And it's kind of this, he marries Cammy, and the Empire is still ruling the galaxy. And so, so what the books do is they let you get a little more of a glimpse into the, the characters and what they're thinking. And, and all, all that stuff I find, I, I usually find interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Obi-Wan thing has always been kind of funny and, and definitely a forgotten piece of that book. So we've read them all, right? Well, okay, you haven't read *The Last Jedi*. I did. Um, so now we're now episode nine is out. We've all seen the movie. Um, Ryan, tell us a little bit about this adaptation. Uh, so they gave this one to Ray Carson. Um, Ray Carson previously had written a short story in *Cano Bright Bite*, which is I don't think was very good. I mean, it was it was there, and then she also wrote *Most Wanted*, which I did not enjoy that much did y'all read most wanted 
I enjoy it quite a bit, but Do you? I, I, just, I read it. I love the characters. It, uh, yeah, it, it's her writing style. There's something about it that I just throws me off, and we'll talk about that later when we talk about Rise of Skywalker. Um, Beth, did you read Most Wanted? I did. I it was okay. I, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just kind of, it was a thing I read. Yeah. So, you know, they, they gave it to her and I can see, you know, you don't, I think the danger of giving it to one of the big writers or, you know, what we consider the big writers is that their voice might overtake it or, you know, that might be difficult for them. Um, so, you know, it's a good choice to give it to somebody who's already written in the world, but is not quite as, known or has such a strong voice in it um the way they handled it i didn't love um i guess about what two weeks ago before the book came out they started heavily leaking stuff um and i could never tell and i kind of went back to look and see most of the articles don't say that it was from excerpts they were given to the book or early copies of it. I mean, it appears that Lucasfilm and Disney just leaked out big stuff, um, probably to drum up, you know, more press for the DVD release and the digital release. Um, but the major spoilers for the book or the major details that they added were pretty much given away before the book hit the shelves, which is a shame. Like I would have really liked, there were a couple of big surprises we'll talk about, but the major one, you know, what happened with Palpatine and how he came back was spoiled weeks before that book came out. So yeah, I want to talk about that when we get there. Yeah. We'll we'll get into (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think our plan for the day, I assume everybody listening has seen the rise of Skywalker and, knows the story so there's no real need to go through a synopsis of it or a rundown of kind of what happened so it's probably just best to start going through what did the book add um i think the first major thing the book added is that opening scene um with kylo ren that he was on mustafar now that had been spoiled by the visual dictionary um that came out right when the movie came out Uh, they had a picture that was captured captioned with it but that scene goes a lot longer and that there were sith cultists um who are also part of that group you know you see at the end on exegol that were guarding basically vader's castle and then at some point vader's castle got blown up um and that there's this the eye of webbish bog this giant spider thing (laughs) that like guards the uh i'm just gonna call it the holocron because i refuse the holocron um you know that's guarding that and that's how kylo gets it uh i I like seeing that you know kind of show how he got it um i it's one of those surprising things like you're telling me he hasn't gone to vader's old castle and poked around after how obsessed he is with all of it um but you know it's there um yeah, the Eye of Webbish Bog, what's funny is that what I read, going back and looked at it, it says it's locked in symbiosis with a blind giant living yeah. near a lake. Like, it's like a David Lynch story. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a weird sequence, which they did shoot. That yeah, was filmed. Yeah, and I guess the Wayfinder's just been, like, hanging out on this altar in a lake for 
30 years or however long it's been. You said Wayfinder. Ah, you know, see, they've got me now. Damn you, Disney. (laughs) Um, You know, just talking about Kylo Ren, I think the book does a good job, too. And I saw this in Force Awakens. You kind of see where Kylo's coming from more throughout the whole book. And because you get that internal monologue, you really get why he went to the dark side more or why he went with Snoke. And I think they do a good job of talking about how he, you know, had all these expectations on him and how that's not what he wanted. And, you know, he didn't trust anybody liked him more just because of who he was supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it makes Kylo a much better character. I already think Kylo is an awesome character, but I agree. There's some there's some things in here that just like any time when you get in somebody's mind yeah. um, in, in a novel, that's what these novelizations are best for, right? It is more detail, but that includes what are characters thinking? What are they feeling in a moment in a way that prose can that a movie can't? Mm-hmm. Uh, other stuff from the beginning, they do talk about that Maz is the big reason that – the resistance was able to rebuild so much. Um, she kind of takes a more prominent role in that rebuilding, um, which is kind of weird because she isn't in, uh, rise of the resistance as much. Um, but you know, it's always good. I'm, I like the character of Maz. Uh, you know, I kept waiting in the book for them to bring up how she got the lightsaber. I thought surely they're going to have a line or they're not just going to let that go. And it was let go. They, they just don't let it go. Out. They hinted at it, not hinted at it, but they, they came very close to it in the latest issue of the main Star Wars comic. Oh, where Luke, Luke actually goes back to Cloud City looking for his lightsaber. Hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised, especially considering from what I remember, Force Awakens was supposed to start with someone finding the lightsaber. Yeah, it was supposed to be a hand floating in space. Yeah, which is with, weird and stupid, but yeah. but still, like, the, so the fact that they started off with this idea of how someone got Luke's lightsaber, and then three movies later, they still don't answer it, mm-hmm. is very strange. I mean, I guess Ugnaughts got it out of the trash. I mean, yeah, you know, or did, yeah, did it not go out the same little shoot Luke did? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, One would I'm, think it would have burned up in uh, when it hit the atmosphere, but you know, okay. Eh, whatever. <laughs> it's real well built. I mean, Ray was able to rebuild it. Um, let's see earlier stuff. Leia, there's a lot. The training sequences are a little longer with Leia and Ray, um, which I liked. You got to see a little bit more of them, and Ray's kind of internal, like that she does look at Leia as a mother. Um, yeah. You know, I think we get there's talk of that Ray was already rebuilding a lightsaber and that the lightsaber she was building is that staff that she sees in her Empress Ray vision, that double bladed one that folds in half. Um, And it kind of talks about, yeah, you know, she was building that because it fits her little bow or her fighting style. style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It also, it's good. Sorry. It also goes to point out that um, Carson was able to have Leia say a lot more mm-hmm. than the movie was because she wasn't restrained by using previously shot footage. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so the movie, Carrie gets to say a few things, and I think they did the best job that they could do under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But in this, Leia actually gets to have dialogue that is specific to the movie. 
to the story as opposed to general platitudes that she kind of speaks in the, uh, in the, in the film itself. Yeah. Well, and we get the, you know, the details that Leia quit the Jedi training because she had a vision that if she continued, it was all going to go bad. That, um, that is in the movie though, but later. Yeah. I, I don't think it was it that detailed though. It, it said no, yeah, yeah. Luke says that Leia knew that the end of her Jedi path would lead to the the end of her Jedi path would lead to the death of her son. Yeah, is, is what Luke said. Which and that's uh, why hey, she quit. how'd that work out? <laughs> Pretty much exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Yeah. One thing I did think is interesting that Leia. They confirmed that Leia, at least in stuff that I guess flashbacks with Luke or anything like I can't remember exactly when it was, but that Leia is more powerful than Luke is um, that she was more naturalistic with the force and probably could do more than he could. You know, they talk about her. She was communing with Obi-Wan who else they say Yoda, Yoda. at some Yoda. point, Luke, which brought up one thing I've thought about. And I can't remember if we talked about this on the movie um, podcast. I find it odd. That was a long time ago. That was a whole pandemic ago. Yeah. I just think it's weird that Anakin never really shows up. I think he's embarrassed. Story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've kind of like tried to think through like, okay, how could you include him and when? Like, I think it would have been such a powerful scene. Like once Ben became Ben again, if then he finally saw Anakin not and, Vader, but Anakin. Right. And that's, you know, he had been so obsessed with his grandfather and then realizes when he comes to the light again that that's not who Anakin was in the end. I think it could have been. I mean, that scene's already, you know, so crowded. I, I don't think you could have done it because you had just finished the Han stuff. So it would have probably taken away from his son some. But I think that would have been really cool, you know, well, to have whole, Hayden Christian. The whole movie is so crowded, though. Mm hmm. It is. He had a lot to do. He had to erase a whole other movie and then tell another movie. Yeah. That's really like four hours of movie. And I feel like that's part of the problem, though, is not all of that needed to be erased. Not every bit of it. I feel like it was being a little petty to go on that, to go after the Holdo maneuver thing. Like, we could have just let that go. Yeah. He could have. I mean, it was it was a multi-billion dollar pissing match. (laughs) <laughs> it really was. Although, did you see that some people think in that scene with Wicket at the end, if you look at the ship in the sky, the Star Destroyer that's destroyed, it looks like somebody did the Holdo maneuver on it. Yeah, it <laughs> if you look at it real close, yeah, it looks yeah. like somebody was like, eh, you know. Um, I do yeah, like they good. tried also in the book, and this is just little stuff, that they tried to explain light speed jumping. <laughs> and that, like, yeah, we had added something so we could do that, and it messes and no. up the sh- Just yep, say it's nope. movie nonsense. It's fine. Still doesn't work like that, guys. Still doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's fine. Just You're wrong, movie. <laughs> it's uh, light speed uh-huh. is used in different ways in every single Star Wars movie, including Lucas's movies. That um, it's fine. I, I I agree with you. It's it's not possible with my vision of how hyperspace works, but um, <laughs> it was a little silly. But yeah, I uh, know yeah, they they do try to explain it. You do see sometimes in these novelizations, especially in the prequel novelizations, of the writer just trying to like make sense out of the nonsense in the movie. 
<laughs> yeah. Because the movies well, are silly, but when you sit down to read the book, yeah. Now, and Chad, I'm curious how, what you thought about this. For me, reading this one, this one felt much more like somebody sitting next to a script and going more directly from it than previous books have. That's one of my criticisms of the book, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that it, it feels, especially I thought in the back half, I feel like she took a little more time early on to kind of get deeper into things. But in the back half, there were sequences where it just felt like she was just describing what was happening on screen. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has adapted his own book into a screenplay and my own screenplay into a book, if you do that, your book's going to be like 90 pages long. Uh, I remember reading it and getting towards the end and thinking like, man, there is – a decent chunk of this story it left once we get to Exegol, and it was only like 30 pages left. I think the book should have been 75 pages longer. Just give yeah. me character, give me stuff to sit, settle into. Um, it, it, Cause it's short. I don't know how I, I read on Kindle, so I don't know how many pages it technically is. Yeah. I read it on Kindle too. How big's the uh, book, Ryan? Uh, let me see. One second. You're, it's, you're, you're a troglodyte. It is not far from me. Look, I try to read stuff on the Kindle, and I'm reading the new one of the Witcher books right now on Kindle, and I just hate it. Now, part of that is that you just don't care of, about the trees like I care about the trees, right? Most of my books I read while sitting in my hot tub, <laughs> and so yeah. right. that's the most Alabama thing you've ever said on the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's see. It is. 247 pages. Oh, yeah, that's real short. That feels short to me. Like, this this is the perfect opportunity where we could have gotten Kare and and uh, Nora and Wedge on the ground reacting to Snap's death. How about that? Yeah, nope. That was the place to do it. And you could have saved a little space by getting rid of the completely useless Zori bliss sequences. Mm. <laughs> um, oh. I, I, I didn't understand why we needed more... I, when I watched the movie, I never thought I was never watching the last battle going like, but how did Zori get off of uh, Kajimi? It never yeah. occurred to me. Yeah, me neither. But the book, the book adds like three sections of chapter to make sure I know how she got off the plane. Yeah, I didn't really care. It's like, OK, cool. She got off. <laughs> Great. Yeah, she, I love she Carrie, and Babu I love Carrie Russell. I love Carrie Russell. I'm glad she's not dead. Yeah. Uh, let's see other just smaller things before we get to the really big stuff. Uh, one thing talking about, you know, them rewriting part of last Jedi, they do make it clear though, that Kylo wasn't lying about Ray's parents. Yes. That from what he could see in his vision, they were nobodies because he just saw them without seeing their history. Um, they were, I mean, they were, they were just scavengers in the desert. Yeah. Oh, they, they uh, were all those things. Yep. Uh, what else they talk about? And they There's are dumped in a grave in the Jakku Desert, right? Like he told her. You know, yeah. they're they're probably there and dead. So, um, um, I'm still iffy on that, but yeah. Yeah. But it does explain that away. It does explain that to. It does explain that in some way, and that, and that make it, it makes sense. They had, let's see, there's more on the First Order and kind of what they did after the Last Jedi. Um, they do make it clear without having to read Rise of the Resistance, that they were blocking transmissions when Leia was calling out. But even then, it's weird, because while they say that, like, it's a thing they all know, it still has the uncertainty of, well, we tried to call out and nobody answered us, even though they have that answer. 
which I thought was kind of odd. And I think they could have rephrased it to be like, okay, are people too afraid now or what is it? Um, you know, they talked about that after the last Jedi, they started stealing a whole lot more kids, um, to boost up their kind of first order new stormtrooper program after Phasma was gone. Um, and that the best of those kids going back Who? to the beginning Phasma? of the who's, first who's Phasma. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, that the Sith fleet was actually stealing the best of the kids. Um, and that's who was ending up in a lot of the upper echelons of the final order, which I think was kind of a cool detail. I wasn't real clear exactly how that was happening. Um, no, but it makes them kind of like the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a parallel to the Jedi there that is interesting. Yeah. That they need and- them as children to brainwash them. Mm-hmm. Because they make, you know, General Pride, they make a point of saying he's never been out there. Um, and then the Sith fleet, they make a point to say that the Admiral and the Sith fleet, they talk about for a little while. Um, I can't yeah. remember the name. That no Sith fleet has ever gone out. So I don't know exactly how the kids were getting back and forth. But, you know, General Pride definitely was a lot more planning with the Emperor than they made it, I think even seem in the movie, you know, he's got this big chamber in the bottom of Ren's ship where he's talking to the emperor on the regular, apparently and getting plans. Uh, yeah, he knows, he knows more of what's going on than anybody else. mm -hmm. Which is weird for a character that just shows up in the last movie. Like, yeah, that's why they got a really good actor with a good presence to him to play him. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, other, that's really the most of the small stuff. You know, Lando's kid. Well, well, well yeah, I was going to say related to that would be Lando's kid. Jaina. Yeah. They don't confirm it. Um, I didn't you know, get they, the impression that it was his kid at all, that he was no. just thinking that, you know, it would be nice to help these kids. And if he finds his own daughter, cool. I, I think white people just got really confused. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had two dark-skinned people talking about something. Well, they must be related. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, but I, I, the idea that they had taken Lando's kid from him and that's why he was, I, what I hadn't picked up from the movie was that Lando was living on Pasana mm-hmm. and that he was kind of there hiding because mm-hmm. he was depressed that his daughter was gone. And so, and, and I do like that concept where they were, the first order was kidnapping the children of rebel heroes including, you know, Kylo would be amongst that. That would explain why Kylo is part of the plan mm-hmm. to use them almost as meat shields to say, you can't shoot these stormtroopers because one could be your kid, Lando. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, I thought that was interesting, but I think this, the scene with, with, uh, uh, Jana is just him finding a kindred spirit in this. She, she probably isn't his daughter, but she reminds him of yeah, his daughter. Gives yeah. him the push for the eventual, novel i'm sure we will get of lando lando and john yeah yeah and it gives him a purpose you know he he, what i like in the movie the way billy d plays that scene is he's the only one left like i mean there's chewy Uh but lando in that while everyone's celebrating lando's just sitting there going like all my friends are dead Uh (laughs) you know like i'm the old man at the party you know he's like i should be in bed and so when when Jana tells him she doesn't know where she's from, it kind of sparks a like, I have a new purpose in life. 
Right. Well, and I think it probably shows him too that just because his kid was taken doesn't mean she's gone. That yeah. there's people out there that escaped and that. Right. That's true too. Yeah. If there's hope you know. for her, there's hope for his daughter. Right. Um, another good speaking of Chewy, I really liked the interrogation scene. Well, there's two Chewy scenes. Yeah. I liked the interrogation scene where, you know, Kylo goes to pull stuff out of him and instead sees, you know, Uncle Chewie. Uncle Chewie, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Uncle Chewie riding on his uh, back. Um, and then the other one with Lando. <laughs> now, this scene was awesome because it had two great moments when Lando first gets back on the Falcon. And he's kind of talking about how Han modified it, you know, put more bunks in, which is really nice, like family thing. But I'd love the details that Lando's cape closet was uh, – <laughs> retrofitted to be Chewie's bunk. Yeah, <laughs> Lando's yeah. kind of sad about it. But then he finds that Chewie's little hollow disc and you know the one thing he has is of him playing with Ben. Um if and that so, closet was big enough for Chewie to live in, Lando had way too many capes. Oh it was quite a closet. It was quite a closet. <laughs> and I love just it's referenced like I think two or three times that Poe really likes Lando's capes. As, as, Kira, <laughs> yes. as Kira would as Kira would say, one would say too many capes. Yeah, <laughs> that he really likes it. Um, all right, well let's get into the the real big sure. meaty changes. Um, you know, the first, the one that was spoiled for the world before the book came out. That I think everybody assumed that Palpatine is a clone. Um, and that the harness that he has, the omen harness, that is an ancient Sith King device that kept him alive, um, that he had been growing these bodies out there for years. And he, when he fell down the shaft, he basically transferred his consciousness into the bodies and that whatever weird liquid it is that helps keep him in that body, his Force powers, his essence is too much to contain in that clone body. Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah. You know, I. It's one that I think they should have probably kept in the movie just to get the questions out of the way. Um, you know, they hinted at it, I think, with the you saw the tubes with Snoke in it, so they kind of confirmed it. But that was one of those dangling plot threads. Here's the thing for me: this is one case where my expanded universe love came in handy. It never once occurred to me that that wasn't what happened. When yeah. the first when the first trailer came out and Palpatine was alive, I go, oh, he must have transferred his essence into a clone. Right. Because that's just how you do it in Star Wars. Yep. Well, it didn't I, even phase me. So when I read it in the book, I was like, yeah, OK, yeah, that's that's what that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it did. So I wasn't. But that's not that's not to say it's not a fault of the film. It's just a in me where I just was like, yeah, okay. I just took that in stride because that just seems like a personally perfectly reasonable Star Wars thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew the exact beats of it. Um, I did like the book put a little more emphasis on the fact that his clone was dying. Yeah. That, yeah, this was the time. Like, he had to do it now or he was done. Because the vial by the end, you know, they keep talking about the vial was almost empty and there was only one left. Um and this I is did, why the story takes place now. This is why Palpatine is back now. It's because he's running out of time. Yeah. We got mentions of Darth Plagueis again. Um, I was trying to think, and it's so hard just because I've read Darth Plagueis recently. Are there, had so, there been any other mentions of him in new canon outside of Revenge of the Sith? There's Revenge of the Sith. 
Not that I can think of. I read Darth Plagueis fairly recently too. But I can't oh, wait, that book is so else. good. Um, yeah, it really is. It's, we'll be it's talking about that one. Maybe too. my favorite Star Wars novel. Yeah. So you know it. It includes you know well. So I guess what we know in New Canaan now is that Plagueis figured out how to switch bodies, and then once he figured it out, Palpatine stabbed him. Well, yeah, Plagueis's Plagueis's plan to conquer death, as Palpatine would say, right? His his uh, the uh, what the Jedi would call unnatural, mm-hmm. right? Involved moving his consciousness into clone bodies. Yep. Right, and but he never quite got. He never perfected it. Yep. Well, Sheev. Well, also gave, the book gave says the, the book says that he didn't get the chance. Darth Plagueis wasn't expecting it, whereas Palpatine was expecting it because he saw the light side coming out in Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it makes it much more clear that he kind of saw Vader's turn coming, um, a lot more than perhaps people thought before um, within the new canon. So, you know, with the clones, obviously he had tried to make other clones. Uh, they confirmed Snoke is a clone. Um, and then the next big reveal is that, and I thought about this, even though they continue to say it, Ray is not his granddaughter. No, right? she's absolutely not. She's his daughter. Yeah, because her dad I guess, I guess. is a clone. A non-powerful well, we, do, we, do we consider Boba Jango's son? Yeah. Well, then yeah. Boba, he's a clone I of guess. Django, right? So yeah. Boba's, is, are Boba's kids grandkids of Django Fett? I mean, that's the thing, right? If, if that's the case, then it's the same thing. Clones are confusing. Yeah, and, this clone, are. and this clone oh. wasn't an exact match. It wasn't powered. It didn't look like him. Well, obviously, because no woman would have had sex with him otherwise. Yeah, I kind of, I was kind of hyped on the idea that Palpatine had like a wife, <laughs> that he had some hidden family somewhere. Not even hidden, like, like he's the emperor given, of the galaxy. Shouldn't he have a wife? Given the timeline, he would have already been hide- hideously disfigured by the time he had this family. So, what woman's going to look at that and go, "Yeah, I want to hit that." Mm-hmm. I don't know. People, how powerful people you had are. sex with Ron Jeremy all the time. Like it's not. <laughs> they were paid for it. So was she. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna make a, a millennia Trump joke. Anyway, um, so no, I, I, I agree. I, I agree that the the thing that I found weird about the whole Emperor's clone kid thing is that the whole plan was that Palpatine would put him out of the world, hoping he would fall in love, hoping he'd get lucky, hoping he'd had a kid, and hoping that kid would be powerful. That seems a little. A lot. That's. That's pretty bad, bad planning. It's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. He had everything way too planned out that, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense for him to just hope that these things happen. Heck, he, he was throwing a lot out there and seeing what would stick. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's 45 others out there. That's going to be the next trilogy. It'll be like, uh, what's that Vince Vaughn movie where he meets all the his kids from the sperm donor bank. <laughs> right there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll just be all Palpatine's kids meeting one another. Or Ray, or Ray gathering them together for his <laughs> worst family reunion. <laughs> yeah, it would be, be awesome. But yeah, no, it, it, that is one thing that I thought was, I thought that was an interesting beat. Uh, I don't know if I like it 
or but it was something that I, I I'm not sure if I care, but there might be a cool story there about the emperor's son. You know, there might be a cool story there that we that we can dramatize in some way mm-hmm. and make this make the character of the mom and dad a little more. You know, I mean, they're they're just flashes in a flashback at this point, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but but you know, maybe there maybe someone can take hold of that story and tell something interesting. I don't mm-hmm. know. If I feel like that's a book, though. Yeah. What are it we talking about? It might be a story. Like it might be a short story, but I don't know if it would be a whole book. No, it could be wrapped in other things, though. Yeah. Uh, you can have a whole story about what he did when he was on the run. You know, between meeting his wife and yeah, you just got to find the interesting character. You know, yeah. Just make it, so. Um, now one thing I did think that was interesting, they added, there's a lot more details about what the dyad is and kind of what it means and kind of how it works. Uh, okay. I I need you to run it down for me though, because I still am not a hundred percent clear on this dyad thing. So please lay this out for me. So what the dyad is apparently it's, a force i don't know if you call it a power divergence or whatever that happens you know once a millennium or something that it's a force construct that binds two people together um basically like two halves and so when they are together they're more powerful um they hint or you know they pretty much say that the sith rule of two is somewhat based on this dyad thing at some point, um, which I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but it kind of explains that, like, that's why they're so drawn to one another, because it's like missing half of yourself. And when you're together, you feel whole. Um, so that and- part kind of made sense to me, but it was the whole Sith portion of it that I was like, wait, what? I don't remember anything about Darth Bane ever having any kind of worry about any dyads or trying to get dyads together. Hey, that's not in, con- in uh, canon anymore. They can yeah, okay, fine. Rewrite, yeah, rewrite what they think. Um, I mean, I yeah, think maybe we rewrite that the rule of two hasn't they they have a you know strong link or something. Yeah, which you know that could be interesting. I mean, I'm I could see stuff like that maybe coming up in the uh, what's it called the High Republic. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I kind of like the explanation of the dyad stuff. I, I was kind of when we get to the scene at the end when they go through and they talk about how all the Sith lives in him and blah blah blah. All the Jedi are behind me. I really thought we were going to get a little more explanation on that one. Like, are we talking literal here? Like, you really do have all the spirits of the Sith operating within you or you know are you talking figuratively i don't know i thought there'd I mean, be more to that ray ray has all the jedi right i guess <laughs> i don't know they, I mean, they um, could have they could have gone a lot more into that in the book given that you know how short it was that was another thing that they really could have given a little more time to i thought that there was going to be a lot more to that scene in the book mm-hmm. than we got from the movie and it felt so much less impactful reading it than it did seeing it in the movie. The yeah, voice, the voices definitely did when Ray's when the she tells the voices to be with her. Yeah, and all the voices from the past talk to her. They don't really tell you who's talking, which is fair. Ray doesn't really know who they are, although it says right. she does. It says that she doesn't know the voices, but she knows who they are when they speak. 
But for us, it was just a random lines of dialogue. And I'm like, no, but Ahsoka said that. It's so much cooler if you know Ahsoka know. said that. <laughs> well, so you had that and then compare that with like, they definitely did all the call signs. So when they all I was gonna, I want to I want to talk about that. I have a, I have that list. I have that list. <laughs> Yeah, when the when the ships when the cavalry arrives, we get what a member of Alphabet Squadron, Phantom oh, Squadron, Yaz. Yes. You get we get the ghost. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, apparent uh, you know, uh, parent you know, hopefully flown by Jason Sandula. Uh, Alphabet Squadron, you get Zay Versio and uh, Versio and the Inferno Squadron. You get Kaz and I think Jaeger. Because Kaz says something, and then a gruff, deep voice says, cut the chatter, Kaz. Yep. That's got to be Jaeger. Yeah, I assume that. And then, uh, yeah, the Ghost, Phantom Squadron, and then there's the Anodine 2, which I can only assume is a medical frigate, because the Anodine was a medical frigate in The Last Jedi that got blown up. Yeah, that's what I assumed it was. Yeah, so, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. It reminded me a little bit of Rogue One. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was it was Carson saying like for because here's the thing uh, the people who watch the movie the su- there's a small subset that are gonna read this book and they're us and so this was a shout out to us right mm-hmm. this was this was all of this can all of the rebels and all the shows and the books this is it coming together and it's letting you know like it's it's just a it's it's not fan service it's almost kind of fan service but it's just it a little was fan to service us. but I liked it. Yeah, you know, it was it was a it was a wink to us. Yeah, although it did make me think, like especially with Inferno and Alphabet and Phantom, like, well, wait, where have you guys been? <laughs> like, yes, have you just been yes. like hiding out? Or are you resisting in other places? What's happening? That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where were you guys when we were getting our ass kick, asses kicked on crate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, and we did get confirmation that Ninnub died. Poor Ninnub. Yeah. Yeah. I also I also noticed that uh, Snap's death got a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit. Which I, which I believe was there simply for Ryan. Uh, you know, it's just... The, a moviegoer does not care, but Ryan cares. And so it, at I, least get, it, it puts you in Snap's cockpit right before he died. I needed... A moviegoer does not care, but I needed more from that as well. I needed more than the book gave me, too. I, I was fine with it because he's not a big character in the book, in this book. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think a longer scene might have been out of place in this book. But God, yeah. they devoted so much to that little group in the books that, you know, like you said earlier, I wish they would have at least mentioned Nora or yes. said something about her. But I get there's, well, they did have more room because it's a short book. But yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's all the major stuff I had. Um, was there anything else that y'all? Oh, oh the I... other big thing, Finn. The whole I gotta tell you something thing. Yeah, that was, yeah, my that was the last thing. one I wrote down. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was my first one. one. That's my last one. Yeah, it, it's not even a question. He he is has force powers and and apparently that needed to be in the movie. Um, it it was it what was. he was going to tell Ray needed to be in the movie though because that drove me in. Same. See, I, I, but they, yes, this, all this does is add the moment where he goes, I wanted to tell you something. And she says, I know at the end, yeah. right? Like, I, I know. But I thought it was pretty clear when he could sense she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, 
and I, you know, if you if you go back to Empire, you could say, oh, well, Luke was able to, you know, talk to Leia through the Force. Well, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it at the time, but there's a reason for that. And the fact that Finn's like, Ray, Ray's gone, like she's she's dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're like, yeah, that's pretty clear <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. There should have been a punchline to that running joke. Um, because, uh, I loved, uh, Poe's, uh, moment of, uh, what later, like when Poe's not here later, I'm like, yeah, yeah. When Poe's not here later. Um, and they, they wanted to couch it in a, they wanted to keep you thinking it was like a romantic comedy type thing. Uh-huh. But I don't know. It, it, I, it was pretty clear to me by the end of the movie that that's what he was talking about. Um, yeah. Well, like, putting... okay. they made it clear, you know, too, with Ray saying like, not just that he's got some force sensitivity that he is probably Jedi level, like at some point. Cause I think she goes into talking about that. It, he was so pure that he would never be tempted by the dark side and that all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was definitely more clear here. And I thought that was okay. Um, uh, I think that the movie, I think it would have been not a mistake. I think it would have been tough for the movie to go into it too much, but I agree, Beth, that paying off the, I want to tell you something probably would have been better, which this book does. Yeah. Well, it explains how he could use a lightsaber and force awakens so well. Yes. Yeah. That his instinct kicked in. Yeah. Um, so, and, and also his, it also kind of explains his call to heroism, right? His kind of him being that one stormtrooper that on that, on, in that, at the beginning that didn't want to shoot anybody, uh-huh. you know, that he, he, that he grew up in this uh, brainwashing Hitler youth world, brought up, you know, brought up to be a soldier and he just never quite fit in and he never quite became that killer. Um, depending on the movie, because sometimes Finn really likes fighting and sometimes he doesn't, <laughs> but you know, that depends on what the screenplay has to say. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes he's a really good fighter. Sometimes he's like, how does this work? Like <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, one thing I wanted to talk about was the idea that Leia is dying the whole book. Yes. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. That she, that, that her being pulled into space in last Jedi took everything out of her to get her to survive. I mean, look at, you know, she had to suffer through the vacuum of space, losing Admiral Akbar, terrible special effects. She had <laughs> to survive that moment and that it, she hasn't been the same since. Yeah. Well, and the, and I, yeah. Luke pushes her for the last thing. Yes. Like that's a big thing. And that, that trick Luke did was projecting himself in Last Jedi is what she does in her way yeah. to go talk to Kylo Ren, which I still am not 100 percent clear what happened there. It um, was a little more I, what I thought was interesting in the book. It felt like it felt like he was feeling her die. Yeah, but that's what she was telling him. You know, well, and I did like that it had the dialogue with him in that scene that he realized when he came to her that Snoke and the Emperor had been lying all along. That that constant they had telling him they only care about the resistance, they don't care about you. You know, they kind of had fed him that to keep him going as Kylo Ren. And when she came to him, he realized that it had been a lie and that he had been used the whole time. Um, which again goes back to that whole 
thing in the novels they've laid out that that's why Ben fell is because he just felt like he was being used from person to person to be this infamous Ben Solo and he was never his own person. Yeah. He was never, he never had a chance. He had the bloodline and the name. Yeah. And how can you live up to that? You know, it's like being Jacob Dylan. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I just like the idea that Leia is basically dead and she is holding on to do one thing. And she may, may not necessarily know what it is, but. It made it make a lot more sense to me why she finally in the movie just all of a sudden just dies. Because having Luke talking to her the whole time in the book, telling her to let it go, to put it down, to, to it's time to go. Yeah, and her saying, I, got, I still have something else to do. Like uh-huh. Leia, Leia can't rest until Kylo Ren is dead, right? Uh-huh. And and it's it's only and, and she doesn't fade into the forest until Ben does. She goes with her son, which is really sad if you think about the fact that Debbie Reynolds, her last words were basically saying she wanted to be with Carrie, right? Um, so I, I struck that parallel kind of it kind of hit me, but but the fact that Leia Leia's body hangs around till Kylo disappears, but her life she just. The last thing she has to do is basically, with Ray's help or helping Ray, kill Kylo Ren. And and she does that, but that was the last bit of her strength. She was, you know, she was running on empty. And the power that she needed to do to do that, especially in her condition, was vast. And it, it took a toll on her. And she was already dying. I think that's what I liked in the book. She was already dying. Everybody around her was worried about her. But she, the only and Luke was like, "Come on, it's cool. Come chill. It's it's neat over here. We glow blue, but <laughs> um, we all float down here." But <laughs> the but this but her idea and it's very Leia like. That's what I liked about it. She's like, "No, I got I got something else to do. I can't I can't die yet. I still have work to do." And I thought that was a very Leia way to go out, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so I I really enjoyed. That's one thing. One thing in the book I really did enjoy was the. It's not a ton, but it does give more to Leia than the movie. And again, I don't blame the movie. It's not their fault. Yeah. And yeah. It, just the details. The metal is much more sentimental, I think, in the book because you get to hear her thoughts on it. And, you yes. know, Maz gives it to her. And it, I, it, I that like that scene better. I thought it was beautiful because she was like, this was the last time we had, like, she's like, that moment was full of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's like Maz knew, like they yeah. pretty much say that Maz knew what was about to happen. Um, oh, uh, Leia should have just coughed in the first five minutes. So we know in any movie where a character coughs, <laughs> they're going to be dead by the end of the movie. And that was kind of how they were treating her was she was like, I don't know, Doc Holliday or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, speaking of Doc Holliday, you should I listened to the Needless Things um uh, tournament comparing looking for the greatest movie of all time. Boy, we have very different tastes in movies. Um, <laughs> Cadaver could not stop voting for Hard Ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> of course, he couldn't. Every time, it got to the finals. <laughs> it was only, it was beaten by Alien <laughs> in the finals. Uh, he kept pushing for Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Very different tastes. Um, at least mine made it out of the second round because Arian has at least seen some good movies. Um, so, 
Yeah. Um, anything else you have on your list, Ryan, or question? Like, do we want to talk more general, like what we felt about the book? Yeah. Well, I, I've got a few things still here. Oh, sure. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, so having not read the comics, I felt like the Knights of Ren was just yet another long list in characters who could have been cool if, if they'd been given something else to do in the movies and not relied on other media to make them cool, a la Darth Maul or Captain Phasma. They were great yeah. concepts of characters that were never given anything good to do or good stories within the movies. Because the Knights of Ren show up and they look badass and then they just basically do nothing. They have one fight with Kylo Ren. That's it. The end. Well, and I'll say they're not that great in the comics. <laughs> no, I was about I mean, to say the comics doesn't help. It's about the same situation. They're just kind of like there. They, they have worship. a little more personality. Yeah, they worship like a lightsaber and they have a little bit of force sensitivity, but that's about it. And I would also disagree with you. Darth Maul is cool as hell in Phantom Menace. Yeah, he is. And then he just gets cut in half halfway yeah. through being cool. Your boyfriend so, cuts him in half and you know, we, we go from there, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. He's one of the, uh, he's one of the coolest parts about Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but I, I agree with you that like Phasma is a character I make fun of a lot only because I love Brienne of Tarth. Nice. I I love the armor. It's cool looking. And she just feels so like 1980 Boba Fett. <laughs> but but Boba Fett at least wasn't hyped up. <laughs> Lucas yeah. did. Lucas didn't like say this is an important character. But Gwendolyn Christie was on all the talk shows promoting Captain Phasma for the two and seconds I, she was in. And I'll still never forgive Captain Phasma for rolling over like a punk. Yeah, that was stupid. On Starkiller Base. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, what kind of soldier are you? And I, I think they tried to explain that away in her book and in her comic, that she was really out for herself. Yep. And a little bit of a yeah. coward. But I think that's a little retconning. <laughs> uh, she wasn't a coward in her book. In, her cow- in the book, she killed every damn body. Uh-huh. Well, in the comic, she was a little more out for herself. Um, oh, she like, she's out for herself in the book too, but there's yeah. nothing cowardly about it. Okay, yeah. So they just kind of messed up that character. Um, what else you got, Beth? Uh, so why do they keep calling it Sith Lightning when Ray can use it, and in canon, Dooku uses it when he's still a Jedi? Isn't it just Force Lightning? Well, I think it's a dark side power. Um, yeah. Because even Ray, when Ray uses it, it's still Sith lightning. I mean, I agree with you; it's just Force lightning. But when Ray uses it, it's she's still tapping into her dark side. Yeah. No. Okay. So. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's just a nomenclature they use this time. They could use Force lightning. It doesn't. You know. That's, I think that's an author's choice type of thing. Well, speaking of author's choice, the one thing I've got still on my list that we haven't talked about yet is maybe it's because she's a YA writer, or used to be a YA writer that. Did it seem to to you guys that Poe and Finn were even a little more coupley acting or sounding than they were in the movies? Not enough for my taste. Because I, I seriously thought she was shipping them the whole time. I think she was. Yeah. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> I'm still disappointed. I think they had the wrong same-sex same sex kiss at the end of the movie. Um, uh, I would have loved uh, the, the revelation he wanted to keep telling Ray was, I'm in love with Poe. Because <laughs> um, he clearly is. 
He clearly is. Now, their relationship, I watched, um, I got the movie on iTunes, and so I've watched it a few times uh, before I spirited off to a, to a uh, secure location to wait out the end of the world. And, uh, but that scene, this, I, lo- I still love the scene where he comes up to him. He's like, I need you to lead, to help me lead. And he's like, oh, thank you for that, general, general. Like, I love, I love that moment. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love their chemistry. I wish we'd gotten more of it. Um, but I think Boyega and Isaacs, Isaacs had a really cool, I, I'd like to see more stories with them, even if it's just in comics. Yeah, I think Poe yeah. in general, and I like Poe in the movies a lot, but I think the comics and the novelizations of the, all the books that have come out, Poe's an even better character in the other stuff. His comic was great. Yeah. Do you like Poe in Last Jedi, Ryan? Be honest. You know, it's not Poe's fault. None of it made sense. Okay. <laughs> I get, I get Poe's desperation of why is nobody telling me this? It makes literally no sense. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. He's a little bit of a prick in that movie, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, anything else, Beth? Uh, I don't know if this is just me or not, but did am I the only one to see the name of the ship as the Steadfast and say, wait, hang on, that's not your ship. The Steadfast is a Chiss ship. Yeah, they've addressed that. Um, I think not addressed that, but I read about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's ships named I stuff. I, you know, I get that, but it's already specifically canon as a Chiss ship. There's maybe they, thousands of other names. You know, maybe they had heard about it <laughs> after what <laughs> yeah. happened in the last Thrawn book, and they were like, "Look, this thing was awesome. We were totally <laughs> naming a ship after this." Steadfast is a kick-ass name. Yeah. Or maybe they just didn't pay attention. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, maybe they just didn't pay attention. Yeah, it, I know it, that's nitpicky, but it jumped out at me immediately. No, I noticed it. I noticed it as well. I noticed it as well. Um, I'll say I really liked being in Ben's head at the end. Yeah. I really was very satisfied and moved by just that little page of Ben crawling out of the pit and finding Ray's body. And going through his thought process and going back to the dyad thing, the dyad thing is something that it it does create a Romeo and Juliet type structure to the story or or type feel to the story at times. These kind of star crossed lovers, but his, his, his frustration in those moments that he finally found the other half, he found what he was looking for. The Sith wasn't what he was looking for. Uh huh. What the part of him was missing was this girl. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be romantic, but he found his other half, and now she's gone. And I thought his despair in that moment was great, but then the idea that he... But then when he picks her... I don't know. I just found that all very moving, and the my favorite Kylo Ren is uh, casual Ben Solo. <laughs> I love that he shows up wearing like a t-shirt and jeans in the end of the movie. I think I think that's my favorite Adam. I mean, Adam Driver's great in the whole series. I think he gives the best performance. Well, one of the uh, lines I really liked that they had when he gets to Exegol, he talks about that he can move faster because he doesn't have a cape and a helmet on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like and the helmet, you know, it's been a running joke. Like, you don't need that stupid helmet. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was like a good like nod that like, yeah, you drop all this other stuff and you're better. Yeah, it's just yeah, well, yeah, that's true. One, it works logistically because it's like this formal BS is you know just it's not functional. It's all just for show. 
But mm. then you're right. Also, once he sheds Kylo Ren, he's light. And yeah. did anybody no, never did anybody never study aerodynamics to know that a cape is not gonna help help you run? Have you seen the ships in Star Wars? They do not <laughs> care about aerodynamics. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. They're operating on different laws of physics in a galaxy. How does a B-wing operate? I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, I just but but you're right. Not only is he lighter a foot, but the way Driver plays him in the movie, he's lighter in spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I love his. The one thing to me that works with the Knights of Ren is I love his fight with the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. I loved his expressions on his face when it like you can see who Ben Solo was. In those oh moments. yeah, when when he just does that shrug, yeah, yeah, or when he like kneels down on it, he kneels down. He's got the lightsaber behind his back, and the other the guy hits it, and he kind of does a little head shake. He's like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> like like let's get back into it, you know, and like rolling his eyes and everything. Or when he gets the lightsaber and he does, yeah, he does that little like shrug, kind of bow, like, all right, here we go. <laughs> like yeah. well, now I got a bro. lightsaber. You know, you're dead. Um, I think with that scene too, the diet explains a lot more too why they can drop a lightsaber and he can have it. Like yes. it's not some new force power. It's these two can do it because they're essentially one person. Yes. Yeah. No. And I, and I like that. I just thought, I thought that stuff was honestly really well done. It was just all the stuff around it seemed very perfunctory. Uh-huh. It was just like, and then this ship did this and then this ship did this. And then, and it's just like, give me something other than just a run down, just a synopsis of what's happening on the screen. Right. Cause I can watch that. Yeah, there were whole sequences that felt just transcribed from the screenplay. Yeah, that it, and there were plenty of sequences that didn't. But and and I'll, I'll pick on it one more time. I if the Zori Bliss things were deleted scenes, they should have been deleted. <laughs> um, and I didn't understand why we were following them. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I know Dave couldn't get through it. Um. I don't. I don't think that's quite fair. I don't think it's near, nearly that bad. No. Uh, no, it's not. I it's think not it's. Perfect. It's not. I don't even know if it's good, <laughs> but it's not terrible. It's not unreadable. She's not. I don't think she's a bad writer. I think she's a very competent writer. To me, they just didn't add enough additional details to make it worth. Not worth, but, you know, I didn't see enough details to make it that different from the movie. And I found myself sometimes almost scanning because I was like, yep, Me too. I know exactly what this looks like. Well, yeah, you, you find yourself scanning through sequences where there's nothing added. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you're like, OK, yeah, I know this part of the movie. Um, and, and that is... I think what it felt like to me was, she, yeah, she was given this extra footage and or this extra story stuff that most of it seems like it was either cut from the script or cut from the the final cut. But I didn't feel like she infused enough of her ideas into it. You know, it was like yeah. uh, so many other novelizations. I feel like the authors deepened the Star Wars world by adding their own details to it that accumulated over time as the expanded universe as is, as canon as we all know Obi-Wan is still Ben's brother wait and then or uh, uh, Owen's brother but the idea that like how how to put it this time I, I i felt like she was so restrained as to like here is the here is an because remember these this and last jedi they're calling the expanded expanded editions of the yeah. books right 
Yeah, it took me a little like I didn't when I was trying to search it. I kept finding that when I was buying it. I was like, "What in the world am I looking at?" Like, it's yeah, a marketing thing. I was like, "Expanded what?" They're, they did the <laughs> same thing scenes? with Last Jedi. They did the same thing with Last Jedi. And yes, and if you're ever buying a, a Blu-ray or or something online or whatever, when it says expanded edition, that is not a director's cut. That is not a director's cut. That is. Uh, they had extra footage and they put it into the movie to make it longer to sell you another copy. Yeah. And that the director usually doesn't have anything to do with that. Oh. In in this, it feels like, you know, but the idea of calling this an expanded edition is kind of like, yeah, this is the expanded edition of the movie. Yeah. But all the novelizations are then are an expanded edition. All novelizations in general are, or like I said, they'd be 100 pages long. Uh-huh. So, but it, it's just the way they decided to brand it now, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I, sorry, go know, ahead. We talked earlier, and I think that maybe is partially why they gave it to her instead of giving it to Gray or Lucino or Wendig. Like, their voices are so distinctive that I think that's not what they wanted. And I don't know if it's such as you need in a movie novelization versus a expanded universe story. Well, in the past, they've had Terry Brooks, who's a you know a pretty established fantasy writer. Yeah. Uh, Ari Salvatore, uh, Matthew Stover, who I think was a very good Star Wars novelist. Um, Alan Dean Foster, Donald Glut, and James Caan, who never, who no one's ever heard from us. And then Alan Dean Foster did the, in my opinion, very disappointing Force Awakens novelization. Yeah, I didn't care for that one. Yeah, I, I feel like either. I feel like he did it from like three drafts ago. <laughs> Um, he did it without seeing the movie for sure because Dave pointed out the characters don't sound like the characters at all. Mm-hmm. No. Jason Fry did the Last Jedi one. Jason Fry, I believe, has done a lot of the in-world books. Right? He works on stuff like the Jedi guides. Yeah. And like he, he's more of a Star Wars historian type guy. He's written some stories. I think he wrote a couple of the smaller YA novels for the um, Road to the Force Awakens books, I think. Um but Jason Fry, he, he knows the Star Wars. He really does. Um, and then Ray Carson, who, like I said, I, I enjoyed Most Wanted. I felt that because there were a lot fewer constraints put on her, she was able to make the characters more her own. Right. And just tell a story. And you can like that story or not. But the fact is, I love Han and I love Kira. And so, and as much as I love the movie Solo, I was just anxious for more of it. And since we're not going to get a sequel. Um I'll take whatever I can get. And I thought it gave me some cool, as someone who's always been interested in the world of Corellia, uh, it gave me a lot of information about this canon's idea of what Corellia is. And I really like that about it Um, and about the worms, about Lady Proxima and all this stuff. So I thought that was really cool when you, but this one, yeah, I feel like the dictate was, uh, you know, just just write the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? watch the movie and write what you're seeing, and here's yeah. some scenes. I yeah. avoided I avoided every single spoiler. I didn't go to a single website that had a headline about anything. And after reading the book, I finally went in and went back to those sites. And now I realize I could have just read all of the stuff that, you know, the websites that say, here's what the book added. And that probably would have been okay, too. It wasn't okay. a bad book, but... It, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a must read. 
Yeah, after I finished it, I watched a couple of YouTube videos, and I felt like I just could have done that. Yeah. But but there were some that I liked reading. Like I said, there were the the things that you aren't going to see in a list are those moments inside the characters' heads. That's true. Uh, I didn't see anybody talk about Ben's last thoughts, which is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh-huh. So so there are little things like that, that that were definitely worth reading. I guess to me, the final question, uh, since we've been going a while here, is did this book... How did this book affect your, just like any of the others, did this book affect your perspective um, on the film itself for good or bad or, or not at all? Beth? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like it improved some things that needed to be looked more in depth into than the movie could possibly have managed in what the movie did. But I don't feel like it added that much to my overall enjoyment of the movie. Because I, for one, like the movie. I know it's a very divisive movie, but I like the movie. And given its amount of time and the amount that it was trying to do, I thought it was it was a fine movie. Brian, yeah, I I, where you at? I, yeah. The stuff that was added, you know, the major stuff was all around the Palpatine and you know, like you said, that's all stuff I just kind of assumed. Um, yeah. So it was fine. I mean, I don't think it, it didn't really change my mind on the movie at all. I still like the movie. Um, like you said, I think the Ben stuff and the Dyad stuff expanded it. Um, might make me watch it a little different, you know, realizing that's what's going on. And the Leia scene also, like knowing kind of while we're seeing her do that, Luke's talking in her head and leading up to those things. But I mean, other than that, I don't think it added too much. I am curious to watch it again. Um, for sure. I, I don't think it, I, I'm with you. I don't think it changed my perspective on the movie. I liked it then. I like it now. I see its faults. I don't care. It, it was nice to have some of the things filled in for me for the star Wars historian inside of me. Uh-huh. And as someone who spends, like we all do way too much time thinking about this nonsense that that part of me got not as much satisfaction as I wanted, but it got me some, I was able to add a few things to my data bank, right. Of things that I now know about the star Wars galaxy that I did not know when I started reading it, but it didn't help me enjoy the story anymore. And like things like the eye of webbish bog, which I guess webbish bog is a, is a bog raising right? area. So, the Eye of Webbish Bog um, felt like, yeah, that was probably cut for a good reason. Like, yeah, the pacing, because what, what I read was that they cut that for the pacing. Because he was trying to get this kind of breakneck opening and get Kylo to the Emperor as fast as possible. And, and it just kind of dragged it down. And it was, it was almost in that, that scene would almost make more sense on a, cor- on a cartoon uh-huh. than it would here. Because S- Star Wars moviegoers aren't necessarily used to seeing weird stuff like that on the screen. Yeah, it would have benefited something like that. Like they did those short Clone Wars, the little 15 minute ones they did. Yeah. That would have been a good place for something like that. And apparently the people who designed the creature are big fans of it. So maybe we'll see it in some other medium. Um, mm-hmm. And and, and I'm, I'm definitely down for that as long as it's more interesting than the, than the boar gullet um, <laughs> from Rogue One. That I still don't understand. Um, okay, so I, I think we went into this thinking we are more divided, but it seems like we're kind of all on the same page. No, I think so. 
I mean, yeah. I didn't hate it. I don't want to come across like I hated it. Um, I, I didn't. I, I'm, I'm going to let the listener in on something. It's going to take a lot for me to hate a Star Wars book. I just like them. Even yeah. the bad ones. <laughs> I, and I've read lots of bad ones. But in every bad one, I find things that I like. And one of the things that I like is it's Star Wars. And I am completely honest with the fact that my bar for Star Wars is so very low because I just enjoy it. So even in, even where this let me down a little bit, it wasn't that it let me down. It didn't live up to the hype that I thought was coming. I didn't read any of the leaks either, Beth. But by the reactions to the leaks, I thought this was going to be some major stuff coming down. Me too. Mm-hmm. And with the Emperor thing, I didn't, I didn't assume. I knew what the Emperor had done. <laughs> Yeah, I just knew what he had done. It's like, oh, yeah, he's falling down. I didn't down. need you to tell me that. That's what right, happened. You know, but I also understand that that's us, <laughs> and and we understand. Uh, it's just, uh, I could live in this galaxy. You drop me off with like two hundred credits and a and a blaster on Tatooine. I could probably get by for at least a week. And <laughs> um, I know enough Huttese to at least you know get by. But well, okay, nearly three words. <laughs> but I have a book that teaches me Huttese. <laughs> Uh, if you've ever you, checked you've it out, you've got Google Translate on your phone. You'll be fine. Everybody should check out the um, intergalactic travel guide or whatever that Ben Burt wrote. That's got um, job, it teaches you. It has uh, like basically it's basically like a, a travel guide, but it's got language phrases for Ewoks and huts and bocce and all this stuff. It's really cool. Um, anyway, but I, I felt that. But for those mo- some of the moments that I guess were you know made more news, like Palpatine's a clone. I was like, yeah, of course he's a clone. I don't, it, yeah, it didn't phase me. But again, that may not be that may still be a fault of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, in the same way that I think Solo made a mistake by putting Darth Maul in it, but I loved it. I think that you know with this, like I don't mind that they didn't explain it because I just got it. But maybe that was a mistake because people were very confused and angry. <laughs> about the emperor being back. So is there anything, and this is one last question I had, yeah. is there anything you wish they had expanded on or explained mm-hmm. more in the book? They didn't. That's a good one. They did show more of Chewie and Lando gathering people a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do wish that the action sequences had had a little more depth to them because they did feel like they were just rattling off the events. Yeah. Um, and at certain things. But um, I think, honestly, I think you brought it up. I think Luke's lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that I really kind of bugs me. So mine. And it was something like it's something so small. And I remember thinking about this when I saw the movie and then the book. I thought they were going to get there, and they didn't. When Lando gets back to the Falcon, um, and you know, in the movie, you get to see him kind of looking around and touching it. In the book, they kind of expand on it and him going yeah. to the various places. I wish there had been a line or said something about L three. Yeah, I just <laughs> really wanted that. Like, or her, to, or her to say hi to her. Him to say yeah. hi to her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that would have been cool. Um, I with liked, all the time. Sorry, go ahead. I said I like that scene though with Lando. I'm yeah. a sucker. I'm a sucker for any of our heroes going back into the Falcon for the first time in a while. Yeah. <laughs> when, Luke, when Han did it, when Luke did it, when Lando did it. 
I just feel like with all the time that we had available in a book, we, we could have spent some time following Chewie and Lando doing their thing, gathering the allies. And I honestly thought, I thought that's what we were going to get when they were headed out. It's like, oh, now we can see what they're doing and how the they problem, go get everybody. The problem with that is it would have drawn into question the time frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Which, get that, in Star Wars, in Star Wars, you never want to think about the time frame. Well, remember, well, they said time works very differently in the unknown regions. So, oh, okay, <laughs> that was it's true. Yeah, so so they uh, I, they did do a little bit of that, but you're right. I would have liked to have seen uh, more of that. I even though they gave us more, I could have used a lot more Leia. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, but I think it's a fine line to walk. Right, you can. You could really show up the movie <laughs> and by having her have this much bigger part. But that doesn't, it, at the end of the day, that's not a novelization of the movie. Uh-huh. But right? I think that's, the training stuff was important to add. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and I thought that stuff was great. Um, does, she takes a little bit, uh, one thing I know I, I liked, she takes a little bit more of a tour of the Lars homestead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I, I liked. That too. I liked, um, and so her lightsaber at the end, that's not the one she's working on at the beginning, right? It's a new one. No. Yeah. She discarded that first one because she saw it in the dark vision. And do we have any, uh, have we gotten, it's been a, it's been a few months since the movie came out. Um, feels like forever with all that's going on, but, uh, do we have an opinion on her lightsaber color and what it could mean? That's another thing I thought they were going to expand on maybe just with the line that, you know, she was going to start something new. Um, That that was kind of the end result is whether it was a gray Jedi or new rules or whatever that may have been. But it again was just a pretty much this is exactly what you saw in the movie. Well, according to the book that we'll be talking about next, um, I thought I remember them saying uh, Obi Wan saying that lightsaber colors didn't mean anything besides the Sith lightsabers. Not to George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Lucas only wants red and or uh, green and blue. He insisted on only green and blue, with one exception, because he wanted Sam Jackson in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but then but, it does it does definitely mean something that Ahsoka's are white. Yes, but she's not a Jedi anymore. Yeah, it's true too. You know, she's not a Jedi anymore. She she might not even have Kyber crystals in there. It could be something different, right? No, Either she does. Or... She does though. Are they Kyber? The Do we know? Yeah. Okay. Oh right. yeah, you're right. In the book, yeah. Okay. She takes so, him up an Inquisitor. To me, the the end is more. I mean, one, I'd like. I know they're done with these characters, but uh, at least in movies, of course, we'll see more of them in other literature, I'm sure. But the idea of seeing. Finn training to be a Jedi is kind of fun to me. Um, yeah. Uh, is she going to continue on the Jedi? I don't know. There is something to be said for her being the last Jedi that they all live in her. And, and it's up to her whether or not, and I kind of like that it's vague. It's up to her whether or not to restart it all. Yeah. 
Because it didn't oh. do well the last time. <laughs> well, and one thing we didn't bring up about the book that goes on throughout it. Apparently, Luke knew everything that was going on. And he can write in some ancient Jedi text. And he was making cliff notes about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was going to happen. And yeah. 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 And we didn't hit upon the uh, one of the catchphrases from the book was uh, in the movie, which is Luke was looking into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was looking into so much stuff. <laughs> he really was. He really was. Um, and apparently he enlisted other people to go do it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, they, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, the few details that c- came up, but I agree with you, Beth, if I just read them, I probably would be okay. Yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe the real reason Luke bailed was because he was looking into so much stuff that he just got overwhelmed and was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go be a hermit. This is too much. I'm doing well, too much. You know, not to not to fight over Last Jedi, but the one thing I'll say about Luke becoming a hermit is that look at his role models. True. Look at Yoda and Ben. They did the exact same thing. They went off and hid. So he's just he's just doing what his teachers taught him to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's I will always, to me, and when I told you guys I wasn't getting much out of it, I hadn't gotten to that Kylo stuff at the end, that Ben stuff at the end. Um, and that's the stuff that made the book worth it for me. Was that, it even kind of explained away the kiss and made sure we knew it wasn't romantic. Mm-hmm. Well, and I never which. thought it was. Neither but did I, 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 but I appreciate so many that people, they confirmed it. Because so many people were pissed about that moment. And I thought it made sense <laughs> you know these two people that have are now that we know two halves of a whole finally reunited it's just out of pure joy and you can finally see each other and yeah there is a love there um some self-love apparently yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's true there's they're kind of that it's somewhat incestuous um yeah, it's Star Wars. That's that's how they roll. It's the name of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how we go. So, all right. So, um, I think that's it for now. Beth, what are we going to do next week? Next week, we will finally get back on course and talk about Master and Apprentice, which I assume is far less divisive and has far fewer uh, sticking points because we're not tied to any movies. Nope. Yep. No, I, I, I like Master and Apprentice, so it'll be fun to talk about. Uh, and we get to talk about Claudia Gray. So that's great. Yes. An excellent Star Wars writer. Excellent. Okay. So that's pretty much it, huh? Yep. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us through this whole thing, guys. And uh, we hope you join us next time. And uh, everybody be safe. Stay home if you can. Be careful. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Yep. Be like Luke. Isolate yourself. <laughs> be like Luke. Find yourself an octo. And some get a fish bunch of nuns. Get some fish nuns. And some porg. Well, make sure the fish nuns wash their hands. And then find some porgs and just go to Octo and hang out. (laughs) All right. Good night. All right. Thanks, guys.